Hare Krishna. A warm welcome to all of you for today's Gita Live session. The topic for the day is Real Independence. Today we are celebrating the Independence Day. There is a lot of festive mood all around. A lot of patriotic songs being sung and being heard. So let's understand what is real independence. Are we really free? And how to achieve that real independence, which we all are actually seeking, we all are wanting. Let's understand from the perspective of Bhagavad Gita. And before we plunge into this discussion, let us all pray together and seek the blessings of Srila Prabhupada, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Lord Shri Krishna so that we can have a very meaningful understanding today. Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Nitinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shivasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratushe Namaha Namo Brahmane Devaya Go Brahmane Hitayacha Jagadhitaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabandhu Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Taptakanchan Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Vancha Kalpatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhu Bhyevacha Patitanam Pavne Bhyo Vaishnave Bhyo Namo Namaha Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare <clears throat> So we'll approach the topic today and categorize our understanding in three buckets, three aspects. So the first aspect which we are going to cover is, are we really free? I repeat, the first bucket of our discussion is, are we really free or are we really independent? So today we are apparently celebrating 75th anniversary of 
achieving independence are we really independent is a very fundamental question yes we can celebrate independence day year after year feel that yes we are free we are free from the clutches of the britishers who was ruling us but are we really free are we really independent the fact is we are not what does independence means independence means you are under the clutches under the grip of someone just like before pre 1947 we were under the rule of the britishers we fought for independence and achieved that independence and got free from the rule of the britishers likewise our scriptures say that we are under the clutches of stringent laws of nature bondage means what clutch of caught in the clutches of someone means what you don't have the freedom to act the way you want to act your choices are restricted likewise if you see even we are under the clutches of material nature the laws of material nature and they are very stringent someone cannot say that i will not get old there are laws and one has to surrender to those laws someone cannot say i will not get diseased one will fall victim to one kind of disease or another one cannot say i will not die stringent laws of material nature is acting on us and whether we want it or we don't want it one day we'll have to surrender and we'll have to die leave this present body which we are very attached to so our scriptures say that we are caught up in this cycle of birth and death punarapi janma punarapi marana and real freedom or real intelligence or real independence is how we can come out of the clutches of janma mrityu jara vyadi in fact yes it is wonderful gesture that we should look for we should aim for we should strive for independence but real independence which our scriptures are pointing out which is possible to achieve in human form of life is to achieve independence from janma mrityu jara vyadi krishna also in the bhagavad gita says janma mrityu jara vyadi dukha doshanu darshanam one who can perceive that these are the real challenge from which we have to find a solution in this human form of life that person is in knowledge there was two genetic scientists and they were releasing a book in barcelona one of them was mr parker and another fellow scientist his name was gilman 
and they had written a book they were genetic scientists and they had written a book called death of death the name of the book was death of death and the book was being released and lot of uh, luminaries uh, authors and people from various backgrounds were gathered in a big auditorium and this book was being released and when they spoke about the book the scientists and what we have achieved through science one of them said that very soon immortality will be a scientific reality and then another person said that aging will be now termed as a disease for which we will find a cure just like many diseases are there and we have medicines we have cure for them likewise aging also will be termed as a disease just like we get disease and we can find a solution to it we can get cured of it and we can be disease free we can be healthy likewise aging can be also termed as a disease very soon and we'll find a cure for it and one of them very emphatically declared that i refuse to get old in fact 30 years from now i'll be much younger than what you see me today very emphatically because he had so much confidence in what they have found out in fact this mentality has been there since ages even hirnakashipu did lot of tapasya and he wanted to be an he wanted to be immortal and that's how he he got a boon that i should not die in the day time or in the night time in the sky or on the earth different kinds of permutation combination so that he can become immortal because as spirit soul as atma we are deathless we are eternal never dying therefore we have that inherent desire not to die but we don't know that so long as we are in this material body which is subject to six transformation it's a material body and anything material undergoes six transformation it comes into being stays for some time procreates produces by products and then grows and dwindles and finally it ceases to exist it dies and so long as we are identified with the body we will also have to experience these six transformation or changes although as soul we are eternal and deathless and sorry to say although they claimed so vehemently very emphatically that death of death in their book but today they are no more it's a fact that we cannot come out of the clutches of material nature although lot of research is happening lot of attempts are being made to become immortal to not die but it's a fact that big big empires so many eminent personalities have all come and gone it's a reality and we are under the clutches of those stringent laws in fact krishna in the bhagavad gita says that if someone does not surrender to me mrityu sarva haras chaham i come as death and take away everything and a person has no option 
but to surrender to death. So, <clears throat> to recognize, to understand that we are under the clutches of material nature, we are not really free. Although, yes, we have an inherent desire to be independent, to be free, a person who realizes that, understands that, that person is in knowledge. In fact, Prabhupada says that our spiritual life begins when a person starts questioning, why am I entangled? Why am I suffering? In fact, there is an Upanishad called Kena Upanishad, which is all about asking these fundamental questions. And that is and when we get answers to these fundamental questions from self-realized soul, a bona fide authorized spiritual master coming in parampara, enlightenment begins. Our spiritual life begins. Although we are looking for independence, we very fervently celebrate Independence Day. Today I could hear a lot of songs in the morning. And in different societies and different buildings, there was some kind of a program organized hoisting of flag. And which is understandable. People long for, people cherish, people look for to be independent, to be free. But are we genuinely, genuinely understanding what is freedom and are we truly Striving for that freedom. It's a very fundamental question. Once there was a person who was passing through a forest and overnight he decided to stay in a small cottage, some kind of a traveler's inn, some kind of a motel, very rustic old building, a decent building. And uh, he stayed overnight there and while he was trying to sleep, he heard some kind of a sound. And when he peeped out of his window and he saw the sound was coming from a bird, a parrot, was encaged in a cage, kept in a cage and he was in its own way trying to speak out the word freedom, freedom, freedom. So he was quite surprised. It's quite understandable. Nobody likes to be captive. Nobody likes to be encaged. We also, because of this lockdown, you know, we had to stay in a particular place. There were travel restrictions. So, nobody likes to be, uh, to be bound or, uh, so to say, restricted in a particular environment, in a particular room. So, it was quite understandable for this man that, yes, maybe the parrot is finding himself restricted and is looking for freedom, freedom. That's how he's saying this, freedom, freedom. So, he tried, he thought that, let me help this parrot. And then... He slowly, without making any sound, sneaked out of his room, knowing that this poor parrot, although he is wanting freedom, this mortal owner has caught him and put in a 
cage. So let him be freed. To give his freedom, he'll have that satisfaction that yes, he has done some good work for some soul and given what it really wanted, was really looking for freedom. So this person sneaked out of the room and went to that cage slowly without making sound lest he should wake up some owner or create some commotion. He opened the door of the cage. Fortunately, it was not locked. He opened the door and now the door of that, that cage was wide open and he spoke to that parrot very, very feebly. Now it's open. Now it's open. Go. Go. Sky is the limit now. Go. Fly. You are free now. But the parrot, quite surprisingly, was holding on to the cage. In fact, when this person insisted, now you are free. Go. Get out. He more tightly clinged on to the rods of that that cage. But this person, in fact, was a freedom fighter. He was all the more determined. He was quite surprised. All the parrot is saying, freedom, freedom. Even now he was saying, freedom, freedom. Now the cage is open, but he is reluctant to go out. So this person put his hand inside the cage somehow, so that he can pull out that parrot and let it achieve that real freedom, what it's longing. But moment he puts his hand inside the cage, this parrot started pecking on his hand. Started pricking on his hand and it was quite painful. But still, since he was determined, he caught hold of the parrot and took him out of the cage and threw him out. He had a sigh of relief that at last one soul, he could do some good. Some wonderful thing which he achieved today and that was to give freedom to this the soul who was encaged in this cage. And then he came back to his room. There was a lot of pain in his hand, but still there was some bit of satisfaction. Finally, it could give freedom to the bird who was longing for it. And next day morning, when he woke up, he heard the same parrot speaking freedom, freedom, freedom and thought maybe he's sitting on some branch of some tree nearby or something and when he peeped out of the window, the parrot was in the same very cage, inside the cage with the door open and speaking freedom, freedom, freedom. Our case is something similar. Although it may look that this bird is so foolish. We all long for independence. We all long for freedom. We are striving for that freedom. But unfortunately, we don't know what is real freedom. What is real independence? And how to achieve it? Although our scriptures spiritual masters, great acharyas are teaching us, telling us how we are encaged and giving us the wonderful instructions, how we can come out of that engagement. Although we are talking about independence, although we are talking about freedom, 
we are reluctant to move in that direction. Just like this example of this parrot is talking about freedom, is speaking freedom, freedom, but when the door is being opened, is reluctant to move out. So, what is real freedom? What is real independence? This brings us to the second point, the second aspect which we're going to discuss today. The second aspect is independence versus regulations. Independence versus regulations. Generally, the understanding of independence of freedom means that we should be free to do what comes in our mind. In other words, eat whatever we like eating, sleep whatever time we feel like sleeping, maja karo is the general understanding. Eat, drink, be merry. There shouldn't be any rules, regulations, restrictions imposed on us. Some people are not fond of leading a disciplined life. Why discipline? Why regulations? Whenever you feel like sleeping, you sleep. Whenever you feel like waking up, you wake up. Whatever you feel like eating, whatever these days, you know, you have so many options. Swiggy, Zomato, whatever comes in your mind, you can order. Next 30 minutes, hot, hot things will be delivered at your doorstep. That is real freedom. You can watch a cricket match, an IPL match with a hot pizza on your plate right in front of you and you can enjoy. That's freedom. Eat what you want, as much quantity as you want, whenever you want. Actually, although we are talking that we are freedom. In fact, the whole society is moving in that direction. Thinking that this is real freedom. We are living more and more in a society which is becoming permissive. The society is called permissive society. Permissive society means it is okay, it is permitted to act in a way you want to act. And that's how you see all the restrictions over a period of time are getting little bit liberalized, relaxed. Abortions, now it's legalized in some countries. You can abort. You don't feel like having a child. You've had unsafe sex and you didn't want to have a child. You can go to the clinic and get it aborted. You don't uh, like a particular... Uh, you got married, somehow you're not getting along. Okay, go and sign some documents in the court and you are free. You can, you can marry someone else. So we think that, yes, this is liberal society. The less and less laws which are restricting us, we are free to do what comes in our mind. But actually, if we analyze, although we say that we are free, in fact, in the US, it's a very big problem. It's called teenage pregnancies. 13-year-old, 14-year-old girls getting pregnant. Imagine there was a girl who was still in school in the 10th class and she had a baby. All in the name of freedom. All in the name of enjoyment without having an understanding of what is real enjoyment. Enjoyment is a birthright. 
Anandamayo Bhyasa. Nobody is saying that we should not enjoy, but not enjoy like animals, not enjoy in ignorance. What is use of that enjoyment? Yes, for a short while, few seconds, few minutes, few days, we enjoy, but rest of the life we suffer. Actually, a lot of people are entangled, are miserable, facing one kind of problem or another. Many do not know the cause of that misery is their own actions, which is stemming out of ignorance. That enjoying tendency, which where they are not conversant with the laws which are operating in this world. Just like a person is driving and he does not know the traffic laws, definitely he will get penalized. Definitely he will not have a smooth ride. The police people will chase him and penalize him. So, human life means understanding the stringent laws of nature, respecting those laws, aligning our life in line with those laws and leading a law-abiding life like a genuine good citizen. So, <clears throat> today's world, it's more or less a permissive society. But actually, if we analyze, in the name of freedom, in the name of independence, we have become slaves. Slaves of what? Slaves of our mind, slaves of our senses. Actually, it's a fact. The senses are dictating. Just like earlier, pre-1947, the Britishers were dictating. They were enacting the laws. The laws were governing us. We were not free. And 1947, when we got free, there was a sigh of relief. Now we are independent. Yes, we are independent of the laws which were enacted by Britishers, but there are many laws, the stringent laws of nature which are acting on us. Are we really free? Do we know how to get freedom from those laws? So we, in the name of independence, in the name of freedom, have become slave of our minds, slaves of our senses. The tongue is dictating, eat this. Although I know it is not good for my health, although I know I am already obese, I am already overweight, but still the tongue is dictating, no, eat it. Yes, sir. And we follow. So in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is saying from the very beginning, regulate the senses. The senses, mind and intelligence are the sitting places of lust. From the very beginning, regulate your senses and slay this destroyer of knowledge and self-realization. So human life begins when we understand these principles that yes, tapo divyam shudhyet, human life is meant for regulations. Regulations for what? Shudhyet brahma saukhyam tonantam so that we can get purified and we can achieve real freedom, real happiness. Brahma saukhyam tonantam. We can achieve that happiness which is anantam which is unending, which is lasting, which is eternal. So, <clears throat> all of us can realize that how we all are slaves. Our senses and minds are dictating us. Each one of us know that yes, we should exercise, but when the time comes, the mind says, no, not today, it's raining. We keep an alarm that morning we'll get up at 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock. 
When the, when the alarm rings, the mind says, no, another five minutes. Yes, sir. And I again sleep. So we have become slaves of our senses. They are controlling us. We are not the mind. We are not the body. But they are controlling us. I have given this example of a chariot driven by five horses where these horses represent the mind. The reins of the horses represent uh, the horses represent our senses. The reins represent the mind. The chariot driver represents our intelligence and the passenger in the chariot represents the soul. In normal sense, in a chariot, the flow of command is from the passenger to the driver to the horses and then the horses move in the direction in which the passenger wants to move. Unfortunately, if you see in our present life, it's the other way around. It's the horses which are dictating where we should go. And passenger is completely bewildered, having no sense of what is the ultimate goal of life. So it's a very sorry state of affairs if we truly understand what is happening to us. Why are we entangled? There was once uh, this uh, very now an exalted devotee. We all have heard about him. His name was Bilva Mangala Thakura. When he was a young man, he fell in love with a prostitute. And he would daily visit her and spend time with her. He was very attached to her and every day he would long for the time when he would reach, he would go and spend time with her. He was, there was a longing. One time it so happened that his father expired and there was the cremation happening. And as part of cremation, the pandits were there, the pujas were happening and the whole rituals, the ceremonies were happening. And this person was very, very eagerly waiting when these ceremonies would get over so that he can go back to this prostitute called Chintamani. In fact, he was so anxious, so eager that he told the pundits, can you please speed up? Can you please uh, do it fast? So the pundits obliged and very soon that there was some they took some shortcut and finished that ceremony a shorter duration of time. Instead of chanting full mantras, they chanted few mantras and somehow finished the, the ceremony as per the request made by this person, Bilva Mangala Thakur. So now, when he stepped out of his house to go to Chinta, in fact, her house was across the river. He found that on that particular day, it was pouring very badly. It was very, very like a stormy day, pouring very badly and the river was in spate, lot of currents. There was no boatman where you could, you know, take him in the boat or across the river. That was the normal way he would travel and go to her place. And it was quite late in the night. There was no boatman. The river was in spate, lot of currents. It was pouring very badly. It was you know, the winds were blowing dead in the night. 
So intense was his desire to go to Chintamani that he decided, come what may, I will go there. And he jumped into that river. And since the river was in spate, he was practically getting flown away with that current. But somehow, he caught hold of something so that he could save himself. He thought that it was some kind of a log, some kind of a wood, wooden log which was floating in that river. But later on, when he came closer to it and felt it, actually it was a dead corpse, a dead body which was floating in that river. Somehow he caught hold of the dead corpse, saved himself. Otherwise he would have flown with that currents in that river and somehow managed to reach the other side of the shore. He was completely drenched and in the night time, Chintamani thinking that it's quite late, now he's not going to come, it's too late and it's also pouring very badly, for sure he will not come. She closed the door, switched off the light and went off to sleep. Otherwise, every day he was coming. So knowing that today it's quite late and he will not come, it's pouring so badly, he has to come all the way from that village, from the other side of the river. She just closed the door and went off to sleep. This Bilva Mangala somehow crossed the river, as I said, holding on to the dead corpse. And when he reached the house, he saw that the house was locked and only way for him to, so he knocked the door but there was no response. Only way for him to now go inside the house was to climb over that wall. And it was quite high, but he somehow, because it was so intense, this saying that where there is a will, there is a way. He was so determined, so passionate, so, so much desirous of meeting Chintamani that he decided that he will climb that wall. The wall was quite high. How, do he, how does he manage to climb and cross over? He caught hold of the wall and started climbing. Luckily, he found some kind of a rope dangling from that wall and caught hold of that rope and somehow managed to leap across that wall. And as soon as he leapt across the wall, he saw that actually that was a live snake and it slithered away after he had jumped to the other side of the wall. So imagine having crossed the river which was in spate with a lot of currents, holding on to a dead corpse and finally crossing that, that wall, holding on to a snake. Such was his intense desire. And finally, completely drenched, he reached the house, he knocked the door and Chintamani was quite surprised who has come dead of the night. When she opened the door, he found it was Bilva Mangala. And when Chintamani opened the door, she asked Bilva Mangala, in dead of night, how did you manage? How did you come here? So he explained and started telling that actually it was, uh, the ceremonies were on, I did this, I did this, I jumped into the river and there was a corpse like this and somehow I managed. He wanted to show that how intense was his desire for her. How intense was his love for her? Although it was not love, it was lust. He explained the whole thing. Chintamani patiently heard the whole thing and said, Alas, alas, if you had such intense desire, the same desire for 
Hari for Lord Shri Krishna, your life would have been done. It's unfortunate that you have that same lusty desire for, for this body made of flesh and bones. Alas, in fact, these words pierce to the heart of Bilma Mangla and he realized that how fallen he is. On the day when his father death ceremony was happening, the rituals were happening, he rushed to her place taking all kinds of risks just because of that lust which was burning in his heart. He realized this word pierced in his heart and there was some kind of awakening. And hearing the words of Chintamani, he decided enough is enough. Now I should go to Vrindavan and rest of the life, rest of my life, engage in serving Lord Hari, Lord Shri Krishna. He decided to go towards Vrindavan. But habits die hard. Senses, mind, they are all, you know, we all are, have been slaves of our senses and mind for ages, for many, many lives. The habitual tendencies, we get allured, we get tempted. So on his way to Vrindavan, he again got attracted to a woman. She was very beautifully dressed and she was moving into a house and he followed her. The moment the woman realized that a person is following, she told her husband that so-and-so person is following me and he is coming behind me. So the husband came out of the house and this Bilva Mangala approached him and he was quite upfront. He told that somehow I have got attracted to your wife, to this lady and uh, I am sorry. So husband said, you are our guest and guest is like Atito Devo Bhava. You are our Atiti, you are guest. Please, you are most welcome. You can come. Please stay with us overnight. It's quite late in the night. What can we do to serve you? And this person, again, because of the lust burning his hand in his heart, he opened his heart and said, Can I somehow spend time with your wife? My desire is to embrace her. And this person also is a guest. He's requesting. Guest cannot be said no. Somehow agreed. He went in the room of that lady with the desire to enjoy and the same words of Chintamani started ringing in his ears. He started thinking, how fallen I am. I am on my way to Vrindavan. I have renounced everything. But my eyes, my senses are forcing me to do such an abominable act. I have become slaves of these senses. So he asked that lady, can you please give me your hairpin? So the lady obliged, she gave her hairpin. He took that hairpin and pierced his eyes. And that very moment he became blind. And this Bilva Mangala eventually reached Vrindavan and day and night he would be Glorifying the Lord, he composed many songs, many poet, many things he have written. Uh, glorifying the Lord, although he was blind, but he was completely steeped in devotion to Lord Shri Krishna. 
So this is our state. We think that we are free. We think we are independent. But actually we are slaves of our senses. Time and again we get tempted. Time and again we get, so to say, cheated by our senses, cheated by our mind. And real independence, real freedom is somehow we can subjugate them. Somehow we can win over them. That's why there is two words. One is called Godasa and one is called Goswami. Godasa means we are servant of Go. Go means senses. And Goswami, Goswami means one who is master of his senses, master of his mind. And real freedom or real independence is how we can learn to control the urges. Vacho Vegam, Manasa Vegam, Jiva Vegam. Urges of tongue, urges of belly, urges of genitals. These are vegams, the urges. And we can win over them. That is real freedom. That is real independence. We'll talk more about it. Uh, we will have some kirtans now. And after the kirtans, we'll continue with our discussion. We have covered so far two points. The first point and the second one. I request the devotees on live chat, you can kindly mention those points. It will be a revision. And simultaneously, we can also join and participate in this kirtans. Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare
So to recap what we have so far discussed, the first point we discussed was, are we really free? We talked about how we are under the control of stringent laws of nature. We are caught up in this cycle of Janma, Mrityu, Jara, Vyadi. And in human form of life, we can achieve real freedom and that is to extricate ourselves from the cycle of birth and death. And then second point we covered was independence versus restrictions. In present times, we think that independence means we should be free to do what comes in our mind. Fulfill the demands, the desires of our senses, thinking that that will make me truly happy. But that is not real freedom. In fact, 
just like even in our daily lives there are some restrictions which are good for us for example the traffic lights we don't like if you are going from place a to place b suddenly there's red light and we are made to stop but such restrictions are good for us likewise in the bhagavad gita also krishna says one who is regulated in his eating sleeping recreation and work can mitigate all material pains arising from this material contact one who is regulated so many many places one who eats too much eats too little sleeps too much or does not sleep enough cannot be a yogi so many places krishna talks about regulations restrictions from the very beginning regulate your senses and slade is destroyer of knowledge and self realization so these regulations these restrictions are in fact good for us and only in human form of life we can regulate our life we can follow these restrictions this brings us to the third point and the point is war against maya we all have heard this word quite often maya krishna also uses this word in the bhagavad gita devi esha gunamai mama maya dhuratya this my divine energy maya is very very difficult to surmount so when we tread this path actually for a spiritual aspirant it's actually like declaring a war against maya maya tries to defeat an aspirant through allurements through temptations and and different tests are given to give an example maya is an agent of the supreme lord just like an examiner he is giving different question papers basically to test whether we have enough knowledge to pass the test and to move to the next level graduate to the next class so likewise maya tests us and if we pass the test of maya we graduate to next level of krishna consciousness then again we get some tests and as we progress the test becomes finer and subtler just like even in video games when we start playing initially it is it is very easy and as we progress the game becomes tougher there are many levels of playing a particular game so likewise this also war against maya and when we tread this path maya will give different tests different allurements different temptations and if we cross that test if we win over that test and then we move to the next level just like an examiner giving test you pass the test and you move to the next class and krishna says mama maya this divine energy of mine is dhuratya is not very easy to surmount but we are not hopeless krishna says the next same verse next two lines mam eva ye prapadyante mayam etam tarantite if you surrender to me if you become conscious of me if we depend on the lord mam eva ye prapadyante mayam etam tarantite i will free you from the clutches of maya this is real freedom we all are under the clutches of maya entangled 
in ignorance asatoma satgamaya that is real independence tamasima jyotirgamaya that is real independence so how do we come out of the clutches of maya krishna is giving us a hint mam evaye prapadyante mayam etam tarantite i will free you from this clutches of maya how we get tempted how as conditioned soul we all have conditional responses we are so much addicted to gratifying our senses to fulfilling the urges of our tongue of our mind of our genitals of our belly there was once a person a small boy who was told by his father do not go to the river for taking a bath or swimming it is the river has lot of current so do not go to the river to swim he told many many times apparently the son agreed and next day he found the son completely drenched in his swimming trunks back in the home so father scolded him i told you no why did you go i told you not to go to the river to swim why did you go so uh the son very apologetically said what to do father i had the swimming trunks so i got tempted therefore i plunged into the river and swam for a while so the father asked the next question he said but why did you take the swimming trunks i told you not to go to the river he said i took the swimming trunks so that in case i get tempted i could swim so we all have a mind which cheats us we don't even realize that we have a mind which is our enemy krishna in the gita says mind if it is controlled is a best friend the same mind if it is uncontrolled is a worst enemy forget about forget about overpowering the enemy we don't even know who our enemy is we have given power of attorney to the mind whatever the mind is saying although it is not good for our self interest we are we are blindly following it blindly obeying it and we have become godasa servants of our mind so in our scriptures although it enlightens us what is our present situation how we are entangled what is the root cause of our entanglement it also gives us a way out it also tells us how we can achieve freedom from the clutches of maya and then what is that process the process shunvata sukatha krishna punya shravana kirtana when we hear about krishna in fact krishna katha is of two types one is words spoken by lord shri krishna which is none other than the bhagavad gita the sublime instructions which krishna spoke to arjuna in the battlefield of kurukshetra it's also krishna katha words spoken by krishna and words spoken about krishna and that is shrimad bhagavatam lot of people sometimes confuse between bhagavad gita and bhagavatam something that both are referring to the same same scripture no bhagavad gita is the words spoken by krishna 
in the battle of Kurukshetra, 700 verses. And Bhagavatam is basically a conversation between Shukadev Goswami and Parikshit Maharaj. Parikshit Maharaj, who is the grandson of Arjuna, he was cursed to die in seven days and then he renounces his kingdom, goes to the bank of river Ganges and for next seven days, in rapt attention, hears the messages of the Lord from none other than the exalted personality, Shukadev Goswami, the son of Vedavyas. So that conversation is recorded in Srimad Bhagavatam, which is extensive glorification about Lord Sri Krishna, his pastimes, his personality, his what is his position. And that is also called Krishna Katha. So Bhagavatam says, in the Bhagavatam it is mentioned, Shunvata Sukatha Krishna. When we hear the Katha of Lord Sri Krishna, Shunvata Sukatha Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana. This Katha is Punya Shravana. It is very, very pious. It ushers in all kinds of auspiciousness in our lives. It makes us, makes us, our, makes our life glorious, all auspicious. Punya Shravana Kirtana. All the dirty things, all the misgivings, all the wrong perceptions which are deep rooted in our heart. Lust, greed, pride and we have become slaves, we have got entangled, we have got trapped by these enemies. Because of lust we always wanting more and more and more and never contented, not satisfied. And these are all deep-rooted tendencies. We may know that it is wrong. Just like everyone knows, cigarette smoking is injurious to health. But they cannot help it. Every packet it is mentioned. In fact, it's pictorically represented also. But still, we got habituated to smoke. So, it's a deep-rooted tendency. Shunvata Sukatha Krishna Punya Shavana Kirtana all the dirty things, misgivings, wrong perceptions we have, which are deeply embedded in our heart, Vidunoti Surutsatam will all get slowly cleansed away. Just like the mountains, it's very difficult to break the mountains, but when there's thunder mold, they can, they have the potency, they have the power to break the mountains into pieces. So likewise, when this Krishna Katha enters our hearts, Shunvata Sukatha, when we hear about Krishna, then all the dirty things, misgivings, wrong perceptions get completely wiped away and we become fully purified. And we become Divya Gyan Hirde Prakashito. We are able to then understand what is our true position, how we are entangled. And we also get an understanding how we can come out of that entangled and be truly free. In fact, it is mentioned that in the Srimad Bhagavatam itself, Kaler Doshanidhe Rajan, Shukadev Goswami is telling to Parikshit Maharaj that in this Kali Yuga, in this present age, it's full of anomalies. For someone to practice spiritual life, it's quite challenging. There is so much of allurement, so much of temptations. Even if you see uh, people these days are addicted to their smartphones, all kinds of messages coming in, all kinds of allurements, temptations, notifications, distractions. 
our mind is jumping from one thing to another. There's a lot of opportunity for gratifying our senses. In the name of advancement, we have created a civilization where we can see whatever we want to see, we can hear whatever we want to hear, anytime we want, we can eat whatever we want. Just you have an app, quickly press some buttons and then next 15 minutes, you will have whatever you want to eat delivered at your doorstep, hot. Technology has enabled it. So it's all the more difficult in a world which is full of allurements and temptations. So Shukadev Goswami is saying, Kaler Doshanidhe Rajan Astir Eko Mahadguna, but there is one good quality in Kali Yuga, although it's an ocean of faults. What is that? Kirtanad Eva Krishna chanting the names of Krishna by glorifying Krishna. Shunvata Swakatha Krishna. Same thing here it says. Kirtanadeva Krishnasya Mukta Sangha Param Rajet. We'll get freed from all these inabilities, all these shortcomings, and we will march towards Param Rajet to our ultimate perfection. In fact, the Hare Krishna Mahamantra, what we chant, is prayer to O Lord Hare. Hare is the energy of the Lord, Krishna and Rama, the names of Lord. O Lord, O energy of the Lord, please engage me in your service. Many people, although we may chanting Hare Krishna mantra, we may not know what is the meaning of this mantra. The meaning of this mantra is basically a prayer. It's a prayer to the Lord. O Lord, now I am engaged in the service of my senses, in the service of my mind. I am entangled. I am caught up in the clutches of material nature, maya. Please engage me in your service. Our scriptures say that we cannot avoid serving. Just like dharma of sugar is sweetness, likewise dharma of a living entity is to serve. But unfortunately, in our present deplorable state, instead of serving Krishna, we have become servants of our senses, our mind. And real freedom is to get awakened, to understand our present deplorable state and march towards a glorious state where we re-engage ourselves in the service of our glorious master, Lord Shri Krishna. So, we will stop here. Now, we will take up some questions. This question is from Anil Bhargav. In Manushya Yoni, one can exhibit his purity until 78 potencies, 78%. 84% of Lord Shiva and 100% of Lord Shri Krishna. At that level, can lust and other dirty things also get into consciousness? Yes, it can get. In fact, we have examples of even great exalted personalities, including Devatas. We have example in Srimad Bhagavatam about Lord Shiva also. Although they are great personalities, these Leelas are there just to demonstrate, just to give us an example that Maya is very powerful. And only if we are pure devotees of the Lord, only if we are fully surrendered to the Lord can we come out of the clutches of Maya. Otherwise, lusty desires are very, very powerful. This question is again from Anil Bhargav. Maya is Krishna's potency. All Krishna's potency should support us. 
living entities, develop devotional services unto him. Why does Maya repel us away from Krishna? Maya should support, isn't it? Actually, Maya is Krishna's energy, just like I gave example of an examiner. The examiner is not wanting us to fail. The examiner's duty is to set an exam so that if we pass the exam, we move to the next level. What if an exam is not given or we are not tested or a very simple exam is given and everyone moves to the next level but they don't have the required intelligence, required comprehension ability to comprehend the subject which is being taught in the next level. So examiner board, examination board or examiner has a role to play. They don't want us to fail, but the whole idea is to test so that the right kind of people move to the next level. So likewise, Maya is energy of the Lord and it tests us. In fact, its duty is to keep all the insincere souls who have rebelled against the Lord, who are in a mood of enjoying independent of the Lord, not to trouble the Lord. So therefore, different tests are given and only if we qualify, then we move to the next level. So it's like an examiner. Uh, we have in, in uh, an analogy can be given like an examiner. This question is from Devan Shmore. What is the difference between Nishkam Karm, Akarma and work and devotion? How to practice the best among the all? So one is Karma. Karma means action and you enjoy the results of your action. It's called fruitive action, karma. And this vikarma where you act nonsensically, act in a way where you get more and more entangled. And then there is akarma. Akarma or work and devotion is one and the same thing. Working for the pleasure of the Lord, for which there is no reaction, good or bad, but it has a spiritual contribution to our consciousness. And the best is to do akarma or work in devotion, which Krishna also recommends. And by doing that, we will get purified and we will, our consciousness will come out of these entanglements. Just like, for example, eating. If we eat for sense gratification, for our own enjoyment, that is karma. If we eat nasty foods, non-veg, it is, it is sinful. We'll get a sinful reaction for that. We'll get more and more entangled. But if we eat prasadam, which is offered to the Lord, it is a karma diet. We don't get a reaction, material reaction, but spiritually we get uplifted. This question is from Mrs. Kiran Shirvate. Why are people still bounded by astrological predictions? Why don't they believe in Krishna? Why do we give more importance to horoscope readings? Every one of us are at different levels of our spiritual growth. So based on our faith, based on how deep we are in ignorance, everyone will have different inclinations. Some people when they get suffering or misery, they will try to quell or come out of that suffering by drinking. Some people will go to the temple. So there are different people at different levels of their spiritual growth with different faith. Some people are completely atheistic. So that's why we have different kinds of worship, different people having different kinds of faith, different kinds of beliefs. It's all because of different levels of spiritual growth.
and as we have shared earlier there are four lakh species of and that's the gradation based on their consciousness this question is from devansh more what is what is the importance of bead bag is it necessary that chanting is done with the mala in a bead bag i don't have a bead bag bead bag has many uh, important has a very important role to play although we can chant without a bead bag also it's not uh, some kind of a uh, sin not to chant without a bead bag but bead bag generally we use tulsi mala so if we have a bead bag we can keep the tulsi mala in the bag and when we keep it after chanting on a shelf or in a cupboard the beads don't directly touch the shelf which could be dirty that is one thing second thing is the bead bag can be hung around our neck so if we are traveling going for a walk or if you are going to a temple you can always carry the beads with you when you are in a bus or in a train or you are traveling you can always have a bead bag and you can put your hand in the bead bag it's much more handy the beads are much more handy which otherwise is difficult to carry and also the bead bags enable us to tie a sakshi mala you would have seen the bead bag having a sakshi mala where we are chanting those who are chanting more number of rounds 16 rounds or even more they can even track how many rounds they have chanted by using sakshi mala which is tied to the bead bag so there are many advantages although it's not a sin to chant without a bead bag but yes it is important to chant with the mala at least the prescribed number of rounds over and above that we can always chant without the beads without the bead bag also This question is from Ajay Raj Sharma. Why Krishna calls those people as pious who go to him to such seek material things and not out of love or gyan? What he says is, "Chatur vidha bhajante imam jananam sukrito arjuna." Pious people only will approach Krishna. Those who are impious will not approach Krishna. Just like, for example, if a person is lot of problem, if he is not pious, he will go and drink. to mitigate or to quell his suffering but pious people will go to krishna even though they may not be pure in their desires pious people go to krishna when they are in difficulty when they are in uh, when they want money or when they are facing some challenges when they are inquisitive so pious people so that's why when we have tesham when we have enough piety accumulated agnat sukruti we will go to krishna otherwise we don't even go to lord there are so many impious people they will not go to the temple they don't have inclination to chant the names of the lord only when we have enough piety we'll have some sense some good fortune to approach the lord this question is from virendra free will give the spirit soul independence from krishna to be in material nature However, real independence is to surrender our free will and be dependent on Krishna. You are right. Free will. There is a right use and the wrong use. For example, knife. Knife per se is not good or bad, depending on how we use it. Likewise, if we misuse our free will and act sinfully, then we will get entangled. Whereas, if we use our free will. in the right way as per the instructions of the lord in the gita and surrender to the lord become conscious of the lord man mana bhav mad bhakto mad yaji mam namaskuru then we will when we surrender to the lord then we will come out of that entanglement and we will actually become free 
will become independent. Another question from Virendra. Those devotees, even though not having Brahman Diksha, are helping deity worshippers in deity puja by their various puja services, are getting freed from their karmic reactions. Any service done to the Lord has an uplifting effect on the consciousness. Any service done to the Lord, sometimes even unknowingly. So those of those who are helping the devotees, those who are serving the deities, knowingly, unknowingly, directly or indirectly are definitely getting benefited. Although how much benefit they get, again it depends on the sincerity of service. With what There are a lot of factors which come in play. But definitely everyone is being benefited by serving the Lord directly or indirectly. This question is from Jyoti Takne. Please give types of finer and subtler levels of Maya and Krishna consciousness. Is it material level? I mean difficult death. Subtler levels of tests or Maya in Krishna consciousness is, for example, one is gross sense gratification. Somebody is aspiring, let's say, to go to a prostitute. That's a very gross gratification. Somebody is drinking alcohol. It's a very gross trap of Maya. Addicted to alcohol, addicted to smoking, addicted to eating non-vegetables. It's a very gross and some people can give it up. That's not difficult, relatively speaking. A subtler traps of Maya and that subtler trap is where a person may have renounced gross sense gratification, but the subtler sense gratification, for example, desire for name, fame, adoration, people should glorify me, people should praise me. These are all very subtler traps of Maya. In fact, when we tread this path of spirituality, there will be many tests put by Maya and as we advance, the test becomes more and more finer and subtler. In fact, it is said that it is like walking on a razor's edge. Just like a razor's edge, it is very sharp. A moment inattention and there will be blood. So likewise, uh, a spiritual aspirant has to be always very alert, very careful because Maya will always put a test. It is in fact an agent of the Lord as I said. And if we pass the test, we move to the next level. Death, in fact, is not a test of Maya. But yes, uh, if we pass the test in terms of remembering the Lord, then we don't take birth again in this material world. If we fail that test, Anta Narayana Smriti, then again we are back into this material world in various species depending on what's our consciousness. Yam yam vapi smaran bhavam tyajti ante kalevaram. So the laws of nature are very much active and depending on our karma, the reactions, we will get different kinds of bodies. This question is from Nalini Goka. Can I know how many types of shishyas according to Gita? Gita does not mention about the kinds of shishyas, but definitely it mentions about the levels of consciousness. As I said, just like in a school you have different classes. So likewise, even in human form of life, there are 4 lakh species of life which are graded basis are consciousness. We have people of different mentalities, different consciousness 
different cultures some believe in god some don't believe in god some even though they believe in god it's very materialistic give and take relationship with the god so all kinds of people are there so these are all devotees of the lord but with different mentality in one sense you could say they are shishyas in one sense if you want to say shishyas means one who is desirous of following but they may not be they may be kama bhaktas they have lot of material desires in fact many approach god to fulfill their material desires which also has a place everyone cannot suddenly become a pure devotee of the lord one has to pass through this intermediate stages this is another question how to control senses step by step prabhu <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> in fact our scriptures say that sense control is not just the ultimate goal it's a step towards the ultimate perfection let's say a child who is completely cranky and creating all kinds of nuisance in the house best would be one way of handling that child is you lock him up in a particular room and tie him up and it doesn't do any nonsense that is better than the child doing nonsense but that's not the best the best is not to lock up a child in his room the best is not just to somehow control the senses and make them inert sometimes people get that understanding spirituality is all about do not enjoy the senses lock up your senses that's not the right understanding the senses have a place have a important function to play and utilizing the senses for the function what they are meant for keeping in mind the instructions of the lord is the right use of the senses just like eating shastras don't say don't eat and when you're eating definitely if it is a nice eatable nice prasadam you'll relish the taste also it's not a sin but eat your designated food in a way prescribed by the lord honor the prasadam by offering the food which you have made to the lord and take the remnants as prasadam so <clears throat> the idea is not to somehow lock up the senses the idea is to engage our senses in the service of the lord more and more and all the senses can be utilized in the service of the lord if we take an expert guidance of a bona fide authorized spiritual master shri prabhupada in his books have given very practical instructions how we can engage ourselves in krishna conscious activities throughout the day we have examples of even king like amrish maharaj was a king but still he was a great devotee of the lord so step by step uh, there are nine processes which are given it starts with adhav shraddha we all the very fact that you have some faith you are hearing this particular session otherwise on a sunday afternoon we are, we could have many options many tv channels many movies many things which we can watch we can entertain ourselves with the very fact that you have come here you're watching this shows that you have some shraddha some faith some inclination adhav shraddha tatha sadhu sangha because of that shraddha we will associate with the devotees you are hearing this geeta live session and then 
we get inspired the next step is bhajan kriya we get inspired to engage in some bhajan kriya like chanting the holy names of the lord hearing bhagavad gita then what happens anartha nivritti all the dirty things first and foremost the ignorance which is clouding our consciousness we don't even know that we have to control our senses we don't even know that mind is our enemy anartha nivritti all the dirty things all the misgivings wrong perceptions get slowly cleared off then nishtha firm faith arises then asakti attachment ruchi taste bhava emotions transcendental emotions feelings for the lord and ultimately the love of god so control of senses is not the ultimate thing it's a step towards the ultimate journey which is to develop our love for god surrender to the lord engage in service of the lord and there are scriptures are saying that it starts with shravanam hearing and kirtanam by glorifying the lord by hearing about the lord chanting the names of the lord bhajan kriya this question is from swapna patel how to understand that human beings are of four lakh varieties actually we can see when we interact with people every one of us have different spiritual inclinations even when we conduct our sessions assuming that that we have a geeta session happening that information reaches to 1000 people i'm just giving an example that information that there is geeta session happening and we'll be talking about this topic from the geeta assuming that information reaches 1000 people out of 1000 people actually 150 or 200 people may actually show interest in attending it there are many people who are not interested they are not they have not developed that taste they are not pious enough they don't have that sukruti they are too materially engaged the consciousness is too low for them to have an inclination or taste for them there are so many other alluring alluring things which are gripping their consciousness which is alluring them and some people who even attend the classes they will attend one time two time and then they go away but there are some people who continue with rapt attention week after week week after week and follow all the instructions take up chanting very sincerely seriously they are very very eager to advance in spiritual life moment you tell a book they they want to read it we come across people of all different types of inclination in spiritual life so this gives us some indication some people are completely averse to chanting the holy name they will never chant in fact they become very envious when they find that somebody is chanting they in fact stop this chanting why are you disturbing me in the same family you will find people with different mentality with different inclinations so this gives us some clue although our scriptures what we are saying is not basis what we observe it's what our scriptures are saying scriptures say that there are 4 lakhs yonia species of human form of life and the gradation is basis the development of consciousness